to uh, respect the, the retreat time so that you not uh, talk unnecessarily. Try to uh, <coughs> develop a sense of solitude and, and uh, listening, attentive listening rather than following the impulses to talk. And, uh, the world always has this, this, uh, <coughs> this kind of urgent uh, quality to it. Worldly things always seem so important. They're so a matter of life and death, and you've got to do it now. Or and the modern world is even more so due to instant. Uh, you can fax things or telephone, uh, so that it be even more kind of caught in this idea that things have to be done instantly, immediately. So in uh, refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, you're, you're, it's more of a refuge in, in silence and attentiveness, watchfulness, awakened state of mind, and the, and then you can see this how the world is such a deluding place, how it, the, the the habits and the that one has the conditioned habits that one has from living in the world and being a human being and the kind of messages, the urgent messages the feeling that things have to be done right now and you have to find out right now and this is really important and this can't wait and this kind of feeling it's very helpful to observe it, to to get to see it as something that that goes through you, rather than something that you that takes you over. The more still and silent you are, the more you begin to recognize and recognize this this kind of um, impulse. That this at Amravati, there's a, you know, it's a place where there are separate shrine rooms and places to go for solitude. So, it's not a good excuse because there's the retreat center shrine room, there's the Putting down the hall. Then you have your own rooms and so forth. So it's really, you know, to to use this month you know, to, to be resolute in practice. To watch, <coughs> listen internally, listen like to what what uh, the kind of uh, habits and emotions and thoughts that come and go in your mind. And then these images, uh, yesterday reading from that 
Tao Te Ching, the, the uh, you know, presenting the, these, uh, the Taoists have these lovely images of, of uh, kind of natural conditions, going, going back to the valley or to the stillness or the, using the images in nature to reflect upon so that you're learning to, to let go and to, to find that place of stillness, silence within yourself. So that then you, you know more and more how to, to, to uh, once you know that, then you can refer to it any time, any moment. If you don't know inner stillness, then you, then you, you're just caught in the in the turmoil of thinking and and uh, the comings and goings and the movements of thoughts and emotions. You just there's no there's no refuge for you except you just have to kind of maybe run away from things, burn out or collapse in a heap or do something like that or crash out into sleep. <clears throat> but if you uh, yeah, to recognize and note and develop a real love for that inner stillness, then then uh, that uh, is a, a place to to trust in, and a place to that you can always refer to, <coughs> which isn't dependent upon conditions being still outside. <coughs> Your, the sense of the, that inner stillness is something that uh, is indestructible. Where external tranquility in that is easily destructible, isn't it? We can get really annoyed with the, just something that there. The, attacks the, the, the environment that causes it to to be uh, unpeaceful or noisy or unpleasant. But as you awaken to the inner stillness, and that isn't uh, that's uh, that's indestructible. What goes on around and so forth, and inside your mind, your thoughts, emotions, or your, or the environment is isn't uh, doesn't destroy that. It's always there and there for as a as an abiding. And if you you forget it and you get caught in reaction, emotional reactions to the external things, then of course you're the world is taking you over and you go, oh, I can't stand this, this is terrible, or, this is really important, or I've got to do this, or I've got to do something about that, and this can't wait, you've got to do it now, you must and should, it shouldn't be like this, and, and then we get caught into that, into the kind of rat race, running about, letting the, all the worldly conditions kind of 
intimidate us. That doesn't mean that there aren't urgent moments or things that have to be done or not to to just dismiss the world <coughs> and to, to to not be responsible for anything. I'm not saying that, but so much of what we do consider urgent or that it may not be that way. And and once you once you kind of get into that that uh, mode, then you it's easily to well, it's hard to kind of break through, get out of it. Everything becomes just rushing about, going from one thing to another. That's why the meditation is like saying stop, <coughs> listen, watch, and concentrate your mind, collect yourself. And then the things that are important that have to be done, you're more, you're more clear about what is and what isn't. Otherwise you just, you can easily just be taken over by every urgent sign, every hysterical sound and until you, you don't know the difference between what, what is really necessary and what isn't. So that refuge in stillness is, is something to gives you perspective. It's not it doesn't blot out the world or reject anything. It's not not like a a kind of Suppression of things, a refusal to to uh, to live and, and participate, but it means that we have then a, a refuge that we that we have we have a place to observe from, to to contemplate, to consider life from. So it's interesting to, just to, that which knows things as they are, I mean one can get into a terrible panic and, uh, but then there's something that knows that that's a panic, that which is aware of the, the mood, of the feeling. If you and so you establish that that uh, you establish yourself in that in that in that awareness, attentive awakenness that sees and listens and knows the, the moods, the feelings, the body, the way things are. And, uh, it's like in the dark room, the that which can see the dark. Isn't dark. That which can see the objects of the mind is not <coughs> is not the is not what you are. The objects of the mind always have this sense of being oneself. But that which observes that you can't say it, it's any anybody. 
the words, it's because that which is attempt, pays attention, that which is awake, isn't, uh, isn't personal. To become a person, you have to start attaching to thoughts, ideas, views, opinions, and emotions. How do you, how do you pay attention? <laughs> well, you just do it, isn't it? You pay attention. There's this attentability to, to be attentive. And then we start thinking about it and we lose it because we're, we're thinking, we're trying to get something or make some problem about it rather than just seeing it. It's the most natural, immediate, simple act we ever perform in life as, as a conscious being. But we, we're so involved in the complexities of our of views and opinions and personalities and loves and hates and worries and so forth. It, we just live in, in a in a artifice of uh, confusion, unreality. You know, like the Buddha, the awakened, the one who who knows things as they are. The very important meaning to the word Buddha. That's the refuge. Bhutang Saranangachami, so the, the refuge is in that, you know, the practice is in awakened, attentive awareness <clears throat> and reflecting on the way things are. It's contemplative life we're living, we're contemplating, we're, we're looking into the causes and conditions of things. So contemplation is 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 paying attention and, and considering, pondering, really listening, looking deeply into something, not just not just defining things and and being logical, but it's really looking deeply into things. Yoniso Manasikara in uh, Pali, going to the root of it to the causes, like the self, the, the self, the ego, and the, the, it's something that, that's conditioned, so we go to the causes of it, to, to where it arises, before, before the self, you, if you're mindful, you can even, you know, before there is a self, and when the self arises, and when there isn't any self, when you're, when there's mindfulness, established mindfulness, you can actually witness the birth of yourself and the cessation of yourself, the birth and death of yourself. You know, contemplate, you know, the self is, well, all the, all the ideas, views, memories, emotions, assumptions, 
latent tendencies, all this that we, we attach to, and the conditions, the, all the sankharas, the conditions, and what we, we hold to as self. And, and in that attentive state, then there's, that's not conditioned by anything. That's not, we're not, that's not, that's not a perception that you get. That's, that's a function, natural function, attention, paying attention, being attentive, being conscious. These are natural functions. They're not conditioned by ignorance or they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not coming out of ignorance. They're, they're just the way things are. But then the, then the whole structure, the, the, the conscious experience and the, and, the whole, and the body and all the rest of it become, become influenced by ignorance, by abhicca. So, so when, we, when we're heedless, then, then this abhicca, this, this ignorance of things as they really are, the, the personality view and all the rest tend to distort our experience of life and the reality. So then we suffer, we create this suffering because it's this uh, ignorance and kind of feeling of isolation, separation that comes through through these, this wrong understanding, through, this, through these delusions of the mind. And then the Buddha said, break through the de- these delusions, pay attention, watch, listen, look into, and you'll see for yourself. When he gave the teachings for noble truth as a, as, a, uh, as, a, as, a, as a tool for reflection, the suffering the causes or the causes of suffering, the the cessation and the way of non suffering. So these are these four noble truths are they choose to investigate and to uh, to contemplate with until you, you have the insight you can you understand suffering. You you let go of the causes of suffering. You realize cessation of suffering. You and you and you develop, cultivate the eightfold path, the way of non-suffering. So in samaditi, then there's non-suffering. So much emphasis, oftentimes in the Theravada school, is on suffering, and so. That people get into, uh, they think they think that they, the mind says, starts believing that everything is suffering. And so, if you grasp a view that everything's suffering, then you tend to see suffering all the time. I mean, whatever you grasp, you become like that. So, I mean, if you're grasping the view of suffering, that's not the first noble truth. It's that there is suffering. It's that 
suffering is something to to awaken to, to be, be a, pay attention to, not to grasp. So some people, they think, Buddha said everything's suffering, then they grasp everything's suffering, then they, then all they see around them is suffering. Because that's the kind of uh, mask over the, the kind of uh, the kind of view they have the distortion of, of a viewpoint that they're they're interpreting life from it's like like if you're grasping the view of yourself as a person as a personality then you interpret everything that happens to you in that way that I am this I'm Ajahn Sumato and and that this is my basis for living this is my this is where I this is my viewpoint this is where I start from then everything that happens happens everything that contacts impinges on this form is interpreted in that way of me and mine I am this person and this is happening to me and that's that's why the the uh, the the view of self is 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 a, is the uh, you know the kind of basic delusion, the conditioned self view. <coughs> so then, the eightfold path is a way of non-suffering. Samaditi, samasangapa, and so forth. It's a seen in the right way, seeing things as they really are. And uh, then you're, then how you live your life, your intentions, your attitudes, and that come from that right understanding of things. So then you, you have the, you, you want to speak in the right way and act and make your living in the right way. You no longer uh, confused to where you have any fascination or longing to to speak in the wrong way or to do bad things with your with uh, your body. Make your living in a in a way that's harmful to others. You, you have no, you can't do that anymore. And then, uh, and there's the right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration, the, the ener- energies of the body, the emotions, the, the movements, or find a balance, this unshakable deliverance of the heart. Where before the heart was shakable, anything could shake it, Somebody looked cross-eyed at me like a shake. And so it doesn't mean a hard heart, like a, like a heart that's co- a cold-hearted heart. Not that. Unshakable deliverance of the heart isn't, isn't like a, a dead heart or a paralyzed heart. But it's, uh, it's stable. There's clarity. There's understanding. There's is morality one is living one's life in in the right way in harmony with with natural law with with the dhamma
one's living Dhamma rather than following one's desires. 